Russian troops have seized the town of Blahodatne outside of Solodar. And while it's a small town, it either is great news for Russian forces or terrible news for Russian forces. I'm going to be breaking down why right now. I'm Paul, U.S. Army combat veteran. It's January 29th, 2023. This is your daily Ukraine update. Let's get into it. Okay. First off, let's take a look at the control map. As you guys can see, the biggest and most noteworthy change to territory is right here at Blahodatne. Now, you may look at the, the map and think to yourself, Paul, this is an intersection. These, these guys have seized an intersection. Why is this so significant? Um, the other major change, right, that's worth noting is that um, the... Uh, Russian forces are trying to move towards the town of, actually, it's called Sako and Vanzetti, uh, which is interesting for a bunch of reasons because they're anarchists from the, they're named after anarchists from the, uh, I think, 1890s or 1905, but they were tried in kind of a uh, kangaroo court in the United States. So how then you have a town named after them is, I have no idea. Any Ukrainian historians that want to give us some insight, I'm, I'm here for it. Um, but you could see this is more a reflection of Russia's efforts to to push northward than actual results. The biggest uh, change is, like we said, Blahodatne. Now let's take a look at the control map. And this is what's more interesting. When we look at Blahodatne, you could see, one, it's part of a wave of dispersed offensive efforts by Russian forces. You can see, as we've talked about, they are just absolutely spreading their forces out, attacking in many, many, many different directions. I mean, this is this is actually a high volume of offensive work, uh, even for Russia, uh, who is maintains this like steady cadence of attack. Um, you could see three, four. Uh, attacks outside of Donetsk, plus another three south of Bakhmut, three between Bakhmut and Solodar, one, two, three, four along the Kremina line. It, you, you can understand that this is just a lot of offensive output for Russian forces. But, and you can see here that Russian forces on social media have claimed to have taken the town of Blahodatne, or the, let's be honest, intersection. Um, I want to make just a couple of points about this propaganda shot uh, by the Wagner group who has shown that they've taken Blahodatne. They're holding their Wagner flag. Um, classic, classic uh, military propaganda, right? Uh, but what's interesting is I want to make some points about the gear. First off, this individual here wearing a U.S. designed OCP, it looks like. So it's, it's a little, this is kind of a low res photo. This individual wearing, it looks like a jacket of Ukrainian-style digital camouflage, which is interesting because it probably means it was obtained from a Ukrainian uh, soldier, a POW, WIA, KIA, who ended up in Russian, uh, Russian hands. But also you can see that there's a huge variety and non-standardization of helmets. This looks like, again, a U.S.-style um, Kevlar, sometimes affectionately called the K-Pot, um, this looks closer to a classically this and this helmet silhouettes look like 
um, something closer to a classic Russian design um, from the standard Ratnik kit. But what's really worth pointing out is this and this helmet. These look like helmet covers put over 1968 steel helmets, uh, which again, I look at this and for Ukrainian forces, we understand when they, when we don't see, we see non-standard gear, it, it it's the... The reason is fairly obvious. It's because a variety of Western countries with a whole bunch of different uh, standard issue kits are providing those kits to Ukrainian forces who are equipping themselves with them. The difference is Russian-backed forces are are going to be backed only by Russian uh, logistic systems, presumably. And so to see this level of mishmash kit, especially in a propaganda photo where you're going to put your, your best foot forward, right? couple other things to point out you can see here bakelite handles um on this weapon here uh which says that this is probably an ak-74 uh designed well in 74 uh and this also has the muzzle brake of a 74 but i think these are actually like ak i think 101s um but you see not an optic to be seen uh which again makes sense because you know, optics take batteries, they increase your logistical needs quite a bit, and it's way cheaper and easier to just run iron sights. So just a couple of details about the kit uh, that the Wagner Group is running and a testament to the fact that they are still, uh, while they're certainly achieving gains, it's a sign that the logistics issues are remain sort of suspect for Russian forces. Um, but the significance of Blahudatne for Russia is because it is west of the Batmutka River. And you notice that the Batmutka has formed a natural barrier that has largely stopped Russian forces. And this makes sense. There's limited crossing points. You can see Blahudatne is one of them. There's not many others. And I strongly suspect that Ukrainian forces have designated this as a... Uh, point in which they're going to try to hold Russian forces. That's, of course, what I would do. If I was doing a defense in depth, I would use this natural barrier as my uh, fallback point because it's very, very hard to actually get across a river because there's these choke points, right? You have, you have no choice. You have to cross this bridge. Now, it's a little tough in the winter, obviously. It's below freezing. It can be fairly easy to cross, you know, a five or ten meter long uh, river if it's frozen solid, but you can't really do it at scale, right? You can't drive a truck across it, um, but what you can do is have light infantry units cross and seize these bridges. And that's probably why this is so significant. It represents not only a... Uh, successful Russian effort to cross the Batmutka and sort of break this defensive line, but it also represents the capture of a key bridge that would allow them to bring to provide heavier logistics support to troops fighting west of the Batmutka. So that, I think, is, is significant and bad news for Ukraine. Then what could possibly be the good news? Well, here is why. is because, well, despite this propaganda showing the Wagner group in front of um, Blahodatne, it seems, based on a lot of open source intel, that conventional Russian units have largely replaced Wagner fighters in the Bakhmut area. And 
Combat footage posted just a couple of days ago shows Russian airborne forces, the VDV. Think of the VDV. Some people call them Spetsnaz. I don't think that's accurate reporting. The best way to think of them is like the 82nd Airborne. So they are a highly, they're an airborne unit that is highly selective and made up of, of volunteers. Um, the 82nd isn't all volunteers, but they're, they pride themselves on being one of the toughest units airborne units in the army um they always joke that there's more rangers in the 82nd than there are in ranger regiment uh and these guys are seem to be the ones who have um begun to operate in bachman and right at least since early january uh augmenting or maybe even entirely replacing wagner group forces one anonymous u.s official estimated that on january as of january 5th wagner has sustained more than 4,000 kia and 1,000 wia um including over a thousand of those occurring between um late November and early December near Bachman. So that's an absolutely eye-watering burn rate um, to, to see, you know, 14,000 uh, troops taken out of combat effectiveness. Um, and you can assume that if you have 1,000 KIA, right, this ratio tells us you can about double it and get the number of WIA, usually three times that is, is the rule of thumb. So you're talking about 4,000 out of the fight um, in just a couple of weeks. And so this is when we talk about them deliberately turning it into a meat grinder. This is what we're talking about. And, but what's important, the most important thing is that Russia's top tier, their elite troops, the best of the best, we know, you know, we, the West, everyone who reads these reports, watches this channel, we know where they are. They're here. They're in Solidar. They are making these gains. And what that means is most importantly, where Russia's elite troops are not. That means that they aren't preparing for a major offensive in Luhansk, right? They're not going to retake Kherson. They're not sitting in Belarus ready to reinvade Kiev, all of which have been rumors that that is the Russian plan, the Russian strategy going forward, is that they're going to, you know, that this is just some sort of stalling effort um, and that the real offensive is going to be starting in a matter of weeks. Uh, but if your VDV is already committed and in combat, it says that this is the main effort, right? Your best troops have been committed to the fight. Uh, and while it's, you know, I'm sure they are patting themselves on the back for making these gains. It also says that Russia almost certainly has made real trade-offs elsewhere along the front lines, whether these are staffed by recently mobilized troops, whether they're just more thinly staffed generally, um, staffed by other less elite members, more attrited members of the Russian active duty forces. The point is, is that it means that wherever Ukraine chooses to deploy, again, those Bradleys, those tanks, uh, infantry fighting vehicles, wherever they choose to push, as long as they do so decisively, we know that for now, Russia's elite troops are stuck right here in Solidar. 
So anyway, guys, that's all I had. Of course, as always, if you want access to the uncensored combat video breakdowns, the kind that YouTube definitely won't let me show you, you want to become a member of the Patreon. Thanks so much to my Lieutenant Tier patrons. You guys are the ones who make this whole thing possible to make sure everybody's visible there. Um, and of course, the link, as always, is in the description. See you guys in the next one.